Hey everyone, before we open today's file, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at d.s.radio where you can find all the images that go along with today's case. You can drop us an email at contact.dsradio at gmail.com. You can find all of our socials in the Linktree bio on our Instagram profile, including links to merch. If you're feeling especially generous, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio, where you can get access to our exclusive Instagram page and make suggestions for upcoming episode topics that you would like us to cover. Speaking of Patreon, thanks to our Patreons, Riff Cult, Cropley Crab, Cash Broadus, Raspberry Jr., Jason R. Nelson, Creepy Paper, Jamie Suit, Michael Laughlin, Lindsay Keller, Mike Wright, Gria Weaver, Kelsey Carithers, Linz Gibbon, Drake Holvig, Only Child, Michael M, Wesley Akers, Riaz K, Emily Medeiros, Pip, Heather Wynn, Graves, Devin Sweatshirt, The Ordained Sinister Minister, and Philip Hoffman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Dystopian Simulation Radio. My name's Chris. And I'm Linz. And together, we are your hosts of Dystopian Simulation Radio. You'll know that because I just said that twice. (laughs) How are you doing, Linz? Um, Awful, as you know. I've got the flu without the cough symptoms, apparently. Thanks, Chris. I think I got that. Uh, via the internet from you last episode. I, I hear you can pick up viruses via the <laughs> Yeah, by the way, everyone, Chris has just adopted this weird new personality because of one meme that I posted. What was the meme, Chris? Now, now do you, do you tater them tots in-house? <laughs> Since then, Chris has just been lost and this new man is... um now been my new best friend slash host <laughs> <laughs> oh every so often i just discover a new character <laughs> yes so we are we are going to dive deep into a very interesting case today but before we do a couple of important things so firstly Linz, yes. i was recently on the podcast star balls oh i did check it out i did check the podcast out Love to hear yeah. some Geordies talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's my f- personal favourite Star Wars podcast run by my good friend, Peter. And if you're on the lookout for a good Star Wars podcast run by a lovely, passionate person, give Star Wars, that's Get a balls with a B, a go. 
all right, reciprocal, you know what I mean? <laughs> we had a great time chatting about Star Wars, so make sure you check out the latest episodes to hear me wax lyrical about one of my passions. Why is Return of the Jedi the best Star Wars? It Tune just in to is. Find out. <laughs> I mean, that's the crux of it. <laughs> it just is. Ewoks. <laughs> and also, we should talk just very briefly about our Patreons yes. page. So, um, you will have heard uh, that obviously Lindsay's got that lovely little introduction that she did mm-hmm. at the beginning of this episode and all episodes about it. But since then, we've had quite a few new Patreons join us. So thank you very much to all of them. I want to shout out our newest Patreons, Jason Nelson, Cash Brodus, Raspberry Jr., if that is your real name, and <laughs> Jean-Philippe Poulin. Thank you very much. Hello. You'll be added into the introduction shortly. Very fancy Patreon names this month. Very. Um, and you can join them over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio. And we do plan to put some videos up there in the future. It's a new thing we're going to try out in the near future. Sorry. We were talking about doing it today, but I just cannot look at the screen at all. I just have the worst migraines ever. But um, later this week, Chris and I are going to put some Patreon only content up. I won't tell you what it is. I won't spoil it, but we're definitely going to try and do some extra stuff. It's kind of an early support thing right now, the Patreon, but we Mm. do want to add some more exclusive things for people who sub to us. Who keep the podcast going. Yeah, exactly. Quite frankly. Um, So thank you very much, all of you, but we do appreciate you, even if you're not a Patreon. Uh, Remember that you can join our Instagram, which is at d.s.radio it's very fun over there we've almost hit the thousand follower mark Woo! so if you're not following you know what you've got to do right now we really want to see those fingers <laughs> um so you could join us over there but if you do become a patreon you get our exclusive access to the patreon only instagram account there's all sorts of bollocks posted and that is <laughs> at dsr friend club yes and hopefully you can all chat amongst yourselves there too. I mean, I did notice actually there is a new feature on Patreon where you can have a big group chat. Uh, <gasps> I've been chatting with a few Patreons so far, so feel free to post. I was going to say post anything, but I do not know about <laughs> Patreons personally. So uh, you know who I'm talking about. Calm yourself down and <laughs> tune it back a couple of steps. And then from that, absolutely fine. Well, I didn't know that. So I'm going to head over there tomorrow for sure. Yeah, Only on the app. Only on the app. Okay, I did not know that. So thanks, Chris. I'll have to get the app then. <laughs> I'm just looking at it on browser like an old person. <laughs> Linz. Yes. Today, we are going to head into a case requested by one of our Patreons, Wesley Akers. Ooh, I love Wesley. Hey, Wesley. <laughs> and we have a rarity today. A mm. conspiracy theory that has been proven as 100 true. Fuck off. Mm-mm. So unlike it, don't worry, there's not going to be that little bit at the end of, Linz, what do you think? Real? Not real? What do you think? Cups of water? Are they proof that ghosts exist? <laughs> None of that. <laughs> Today we are covering the bizarre US government program known as MK Ultra. Ooh. Linz, have you heard of MK Ultra before? Yeah, the the mind control. 
experiment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know too much it, about it. I, I know what it is, but I'm very excited for this, Chris. I had my doubts initially. I thought, mm, how much is there going to be to talk about? And uh, it might have ended up as one of my longest pieces of research that I've ever done. So let's jump straight in. And Lynn's, as with all good stories, this one starts with the Nazis. <laughs> Chris. Now, think back to our episode. Is Hitler still alive? The answer might surprise you folks. Check it out in the archive. Do you remember a certain Operation Paperclip? Yes, I do. I remember not knowing what it was then. So Operation Paperclip was what the US did um, when they recruited hundreds of German scientists who'd been working for the Third Reich, brought them over with their families to the USA and set them up to work on various projects, including the space race. That's right. Yes, yes. Thanks for that reminder. No problem. But every time you say Operation Paperclip, I remember the little word mascot. <laughs> like, it looks like you're writing a letter, or it looks like you're smuggling a Nazi doctor to the US. Would you like some help with that? <laughs> Do you need to know where the rat lanes are? <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. <laughs> But we're going to. One of the projects that the US was interested in that German scientists had been working on was that of mind control. Mm. Or rather, a truth serum that would erase the will of the enemy combatant and get them to spill the beans about how many elephants were guarding their encampment. (laughs) Nazi scientists in the death camps of both Auschwitz and Dachau were known to have performed human experiments on those interned to the end of mind control. This included using barbiturates, depressants, morphine, and hallucinogens in unholy doses on the unfortunate guinea pigs to try and crack the code on this truth serum. The US discovered this research during the liberation of the camps and thought, yeah, I'll have some of that, please. Oh, gosh. Fast forward a few years, uh, having transported literally hundreds of Nazis, I I mean, sorry, suspiciously well-dressed European expats to US soil, the CIA was growing ever suspicious of tales of mind control by Russia, Korea, and communist forces. American servicemen were returning from capture in Korea described as being reprogrammed. As a result, the USA decided it needed to get into the mind control game. In 1950s, where our story really starts, but I must note that the excellently named Project Chatter predated the story today, which was run by the OSS, the precursor to the CIA. The CIA initiated Operation Bluebird in 1950, and this was later renamed Operation Artichoke in 1951 and evolved into MKUltra in 1953. A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet, and this rose, well, it smelled of conspiracy lens. <laughs> that was beautiful, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, I was quite proud of that. <laughs> but you should do it in like a 1920s kind of um, voice, you know what I mean. A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet, and this rose, it smelled of conspiracy lens. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> this project ran in top secret for the following 20 years. But 
who was it ordering these experiments and what was their purpose? This might be harder to answer than you think, but, well, this goes all the way to the top. Initially, the precursors to MKUltra were ordered by General Walter Bedell Smith and Brigadier General Paul F. Gaynor, military men at the top of the CIA, but MKUltra was ordered directly by CIA Director Alan Dulles in 1953. Now, one might not know Alan Dulles' name, but as director of the CIA, he headed up coup d'etats in both Iran and Guatemala. So piss him off and I will coup d'etat you so hard, I swear. <laughs> that was kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Dulles also oversaw the U-2 program, uh, the rocket, not the Irishman, and the <laughs> Bay of Pigs invasion. Do you know much about the Bay of Pigs invasion, Lens? It, it rings a far-off bell. The Bay of Pigs invasion. Regale me. It was a failed attempt at training Cuban exiles to, yes, you guessed it, stage a coup, <laughs> following an invasion by sea of Cuba. The History Channel summarised how well this went in this quote that I'd like to ask you to please read. Okay. Almost immediately, the invasion was a disaster. The CIA had wanted to keep it a secret for as long as possible, but a radio station on the beach, which the agency's reconnaissance team had failed to spot, broadcast every detail of the operation to listeners across Cuba. Unexpected coral reefs sank some of the exile ships as they pulled into shore. Backup paratroopers landed in the wrong place. Before long, Castro's troops had pinned the invaders on the beach, and their exiles surrendered after less than a day of fighting. 114 were killed, and over 1,100 were taken prisoner. Nobody expects unexpected coral reefs. <laughs> They'll get ya. Now, Alan Dulles was um, then fired by President Kennedy in the wake of this colossal fuck-up. Well... Sort of. Kennedy awarded Dulles with uh, the National Security Medal, and then mysteriously a resignation letter from Dulles was submitted the next day, with Kennedy never wanting to see him again. Dulles would have the last laugh, however, as he would see JFK again when he was one of the men chosen to sit on the Warren Commission investigating the assassination of President Kennedy. <gasps> Let's back up, though. Alan Dulles ordered the project, but it wasn't his idea. He just approved it. It was mad scientist Sidney Gottlieb who was largely behind MKUltra. Sidney Gottlieb was an American born to Hungarian Jewish immigrant parents in New York. Gottlieb was denied the chance at military service during World War II due to a club foot and decided to sign up for another kind of service to his country by becoming a researcher in the Department of Agriculture, before being transferred into Food and Drug Administration, where he developed tests to measure the presence and level of drugs in the human body. He then jumped around to another government position or two, and eventually settled at a university, where he was then recruited into the CIA. And by the time he started work with the organisation, he and his wife were living with their children in a relatively remote cabin 
with no electricity or running water. That sounds delightful. He joined the CIA and was immediately put to work by dolls on the precursors to MKUltra, trying to develop that truth serum and continue experiments on drugs such as THC, cocaine, heroin and hallucinogens in an effort to control a subject's mind. Around this time, Gottlieb discovered that no experiments had been conducted into lysergic acid dilethamine, otherwise known as LSD. Insert some hippie music here. (laughs) Gottlieb promptly decided that he would try LSD himself during work hours on the taxpayer's dime, which takes being paid to take a shit to the next level, really, doesn't it? <laughs> they liked to do that, didn't they? Give it to dolphins, yeah. just give it to workers, take it themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that is true. Although that, um, you can go back and check out the uh, the Love Dolphins and LSD episode, a fantastic one that Linz did. Bizarrely, this has no connection to it whatsoever. Lies. It does follow <laughs> a lot of the same path. <laughs> So Gottlieb reportedly double-dropped LSD hundreds of times at work over the years, and he was so convinced that LSD would be the drug that would unlock the mysteries of mind control, or by no means did he only experiment with LSD. Now, a quick word on LSD. So LSD was discovered and synthesized by Swiss chemist Albert Hoffman in 1938, and he accidentally discovered its hallucinogenic effects in 1943 when he accidentally on purpose absorbed some through his skin. Oh, God, imagine that. Uh, Not expecting it. Yeah, (laughs) and the walls just start dripping. Yeah. (laughs) Now, early on, LSD was considered to be a potential cure for alcoholism. But Hmm. by the time of the MK Ultra experiments, it was beginning to gain traction as a recreational drug. Although by the time of the Vietnam War, opinion had shifted that it was a threat to American values. Ah. Linz. Yes. I have here an LSD YouTube simulation. Would you like to try it? Is that like the our new YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> it's not on our YouTube channel yet, um, but please do go across and check that out. If you like listening to podcasts on the YouTube channel, they're all going to get slowly, slowly, Upload it over there. (laughs) But no, this is a different video. I will post it on our Patreon uh, account. And it is a simulation of what LSD might make you feel like. Oh, God. And um, Chris has warned me not to do this because I have terrible migraines right now, as I always do. But I'm going to commit to the bit. And I'm going to do it. Um, So I've got this full screen here. It says, be aware. This video may cause temporary hallucinogenic effects. But please do not be afraid. These effects usually last a few seconds. Apparently, it's longer than that. <laughs> I'm going to do it in. Uh, I'm going to do it in tandem with you. So oh we can, yes. We can both, okay. We can both get freaked out together. Okay. So, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Now look around the room. Oh my god! Oh my lamp! Um, I'm looking around the room and everything's all wobbly and wavy and yeah that's so cool i'm looking at a picture of the priory and it's all distorted it kind of like swells like big and small like it pulses 
That's really yeah. cool. I mean, obviously, this is uh, every dose of LSD can have a different effect mm-hmm. on what's happening on, but these are sort of generalized um, effects that can happen. To give you a bit of an idea, uh, everything's gone wibbly wobbly, but um, I do have a, a little a little thing about it here that I'd like you to to read. It's a little description about LSD. And uh, Linz, I got this from talktofrank.com. Remember that? Talk to Frank was, yeah, that was like for teenagers or something. Yeah, like a, the, the British government's guide to get kids to, to read up and know their onions about yeah. <laughs> heroin. So uh, Frank tells us, for most people, the world appears distorted when they take LSD. Colours, sounds, objects, and even time can all seem very strange and disturbing. Taking LSD can make you feel euphoric, giggly, in awe of the people and things around you, energised, excited, empathetic. It can also make you see and hear things that aren't there, hallucinate. Confused, suspicious, anxious, panicked, frightened, and overwhelmed. LSD feeds off your imagination, so every person's experience is unique. Ah, oh, I feel like you and I would have very different experiences, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, but Gottlieb obviously enjoyed it because he was going crackers. He freaking loved and, it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He had been given free reign over his work and transformed Project Artichoke into Project MK Ultra. After he and a lower-ranking director called Richard Helms, remember that name for later, wrote a memorandum suggesting the evolution of mind control projects to director Alan Dulles. Dulles approved it and then kept the work at arm's length, not wanting to know too much until the results were yielded and blindly approving requests. Hmm. To add an extra layer of conspiracy to this project, Dull's brother, John Foster Dulles, had just been appointed President Eisenhower's Secretary of State, allowing for the projects to reach the highest levels of government and for John to potentially aid in diverting attention away from it. Although, I should state that that's not something that's ever been proven, but as with all conspiracies, where do they stop? <laughs> the goals of MKUltra were... Well, it depends on who you ask. Ultimately, it aimed at forms of mind control, but sometimes descended into dropping as much LSD as possible for funsies. (laughs) According to leaked CIA documents, the following aims were established. Substances which will promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipients would be discredited in public. Substances which increase the efficiency of mental activity and perception. Materials which will prevent or counteract the intoxicating effect of alcohol. Materials which will promote the intoxicating effect of alcohol. Materials which will produce the signs and symptoms of recognised diseases in a reversible way so that they may be used for malingering, DSR note, faking illness, etc. Materials which will render the induction of hypnosis easier or otherwise enhance its usefulness. Substances which will enhance the ability of individuals to withstand 
deprivation, torture, and coercion during interrogation and so-called brainwashing. Materials and physical methods which will produce amnesia for events preceding and during their use. Physical methods of producing shock and confusion over extended periods of time and capable of surreptitious use. Substances which will produce physical disablement such as paralysis of the legs, acute anemia, etc. Ew. Substances which will produce pure euphoria with no subsequent letdown. I think that was the main one that Gottlieb was interested in. Mm -hmm. Substances which alter personality structure in such a way that the tendency of a reciprocant to become dependent upon another person is enhanced. A material which will cause mental confusion of such type that the individual under its influence will find it difficult to maintain a fabrication under questioning. Substances which will lower the ambition and general working efficiency of men when administered in undetectable amounts. Substances which promote weakness or distortion of the eyesight or hearing faculties, preferably without permanent effects. A knockout pill which can covertly be administered in drinks, food, cigarettes, as an aerosol, etc., which will be safe to use, provide a maximum of amnesia, and be suitable for use by agent type on an ad hoc basis. A material which can be covertly administered by the above routes and which in very small amounts will make it impossible for a man to perform any physical activity whatsoever. Oh, so what, what do you think about these, these goals that they're laying out here? They're, they're both very specific and quite vague at the same time. And sometimes contradicting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a very sinister list. Um, I, I think they were aiming a bit too high with this one. Well, I don't think they were looking for just one substance that would do all of these things. Uh, it was well, that's just their general that, aims. That's just their general aims. They, they're experimenting with all types of substances to try and achieve one of these goals, but they're not looking for a catch-all. Okay, it's, it's really screwed up, actually. It's, quite, it's horrible. Um, like the one where it's like, where the recipient would be discredited in public. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, mean. Um, that's a really mixed list, actually. I mean, I can see, you know, lowering ambition and having people not like the one about um, being it being difficult for them to maintain like fabrication, fabrication. Yeah. I think that's kind of the general idea that you think about when you think about um, MK Ultra. You're like, OK, that's like the truth serum. But it's like. <laughs> Efficiency of men when administered in undetectable amounts. So, so this, if you think about it this way, I mean, you could do something like you could have this, this chemical and you could fly a crop plane over a town and you could decrease its output massively, mm. or you could get it into a water supply and then everybody would become sort of lotus eaters, if you will, and they'll stop doing work. And if you can get this into um, an enemy's water supply, then they'll stop making resources that will help towards the war. Yeah. Okay. 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 Now it makes more sense with context. Yeah. Um, so, Linz, important question. What do you think the MK stood for in the name? And what was Ultra? Um, was it a really 90s way 
of making a band name. It was like mind control, but spelt with a K to be cool. <laughs> you mean like Model Combat? Yeah. <laughs> Same logo. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does it stand for? MKUltra. I, I want to say that, I don't know, tell me. Well, it was a bit of a trick question. I must be straight with you. It's actually the next best thing to random. So MK indicates that funding primarily came from the CIA Technical Services Division. Although this makes it sound like the IT support team paid for mind control experiments, this division, uh, which is now known as the Office of Technical Services, are the CIA version of Q from the James Bond movies, responsible for supporting the CIA's clandestine operations by creating gadgets, disguises, forgeries, and weapons. Ooh, that's a lot cooler than I thought it would be. The ultra part was just a random word assigned to the project, as other projects were named in a similar fashion, such as MK Naomi. I think ultra was to add, like, cool points. <laughs> it's definitely the, it's definitely the cool yeah. bit. And at this point... Gottlieb was left to his own devices and oh God. largely unchecked. <laughs> um, We've seen this before. Yeah. He promptly got to work with a blank checkbook and placed a small order for the entire supply of LSD in the world. <laughs> I'm not so sure if he actually managed to achieve that, but at one point he was reportedly in possession of all the LSD in the United States of America. God damn it, he got close. <laughs> Next on his supervillain list, Gottlieb began putting together an all-star team of scientific nutjobs who had no issues performing illegal experiments on human beings. Gottlieb wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty, however, as well, and he covertly dosed American biological warfare scientist Frank Olson with LSD at an MK Ultra meeting oh and God. caused a depressive episode resulting in Olsen falling from the 10th floor window of his New York hotel room. No. A few important notes about that, though. Um, Olsen had been identified as a risk, as he was conflicted in the morality of his work, and he was also likely pushed from that hotel window. Damn. Gottlieb did actually dose all 12 members with LSD, including himself, just for shits and giggles. So, okay then, we've established quite a lot of things here. You know, what the aims were, what the name was about, who brought it about. But what experiments were they actually doing? Well, brace yourself. The, ex <laughs> <coughs> the experiments were not simply centrally administered. They took place all across the US and Canada and often in places such as universities, which had no idea of what was really going on there. The most common experiment was to administer LSD to those who could not fight back or would not be missed, not my words, such oh. as patients in mental health facilities, prisoners, drug addicts, and prostitutes. The CIA's exploits with LSD ranged from randomly slipping LSD into each other's coffee around the CIA office <gasps> and recording the results to drugging animals, including cats and elephants. Elephants? 
yeah, the, the experiment on the elephant was to see if they could cause the elephant to go feral and attack following being shot with an LSD-laced dart. What kind of experiment is that? Like, what are you going to use that for? <laughs> well, you know, you, well, if they've got elephants guarding their encampments, then... It's know. not the 1800s. The proposed hypothesis that it would go crazy uh, didn't happen, but the elephant did scream, shit itself, and collapse dead. Oh my nice God, it's not one. funny, but just the way that you said it. Nice work. You got there. Oh, God. Uh, LSD had become such an occupational hazard at the CIA that they had to send out an internal memo in 1954 asking for an amnesty and could nobody please spike the punch with LSD at the office Christmas party. (laughs) Reportedly, nobody touched the punch anyway. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, what the Mm. hell is... The 50s were wild. Like, I don't know what old people are talking about when they're like, oh, back in my day. It's like, (laughs) back in your day... It was back in shit. my day. We, I, I dosed your grandma with LSD every time she wanted me to do the dishes. <laughs> That's true, though. Uh, in Kentucky, one mental hospital patient was given LSD for 174 days straight. That is five and a half months. Just, just because. <laughs> well, you've got to test Others, the long-term effects, haven't you? Yeah, you got to see how long before somebody taps out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> others were dosed on LSD and interrogated, but many, it must be noted, were against their will mm. in most of these cases. Some some volunteers were around, primarily a lot of the uh, the CIA agents who agreed that they would just be randomly spiked with LSD. But most of the people who were preyed upon were had no choice in the matter. The CIA weren't just experimenting on LSD, though. Oh, no, 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 no. They tried hooking people up with barbiturates in one arm and amphetamines in the other, effectively speeding up somebody and slowing them down at the same time. And this kind of rebooted the human mind. Okay. By injecting the barbiturates until the subject began to nod off to sleepy town and then suddenly flooding the system with amphetamines subjects often began to babble incoherently the cia did find some success in controlling the flood of speech and extracting valuable information from a subject through question and answer sessions hmm, really this was n- n- yeah i mean it was not exact nor guaranteed yeah I was but they say. did have some success doing okay. it okay <laughs> possibly the closest that they got. Um, They also tried experimenting with basically anything that they could get their hand on. The list includes, but not limited to, heroin, morphine, tizamapan, mescaline, silkabin, socopaline, other things I can't pronounce, (laughs) marijuana, alcohol, and sodium pentanol, which is (laughs) famously known as a truth serum. Socopolamine. It looked good when I wrote it down. <laughs> it's kind of like you adopt a different accent when you don't know a word. Scopolamine. It's got to be scopolamine. Yeah, that sounds... Scopolamine. Scopolamine. Scopolamine, scopola, yours. I don't know. The CIA also, though, uh, went uh, over the lines here, and they also experimented with other types of... Um, Experiments such as electrocution, sensory effects, and 
hypnosis. This is honestly reminding me of uh, the the dolphin case, the LSD dolphins. It was yeah. much the same, but just with dolphins. <laughs> it wasn't funny in any capacity, but it was kind of, you know, this unchecked sponsored project that kind of involved a lot of the same things. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, Gottlieb was keen to have some applications for his work and thought that um, he could apply some of them to to solve the rising problem of communism. Right. He, he adopted Fidel Castro as his arch enemy, um, although I don't think Fidel Castro knew who he was. <laughs> and he suggested many plans. Um, he suggested secretly drugging the Cuban leader before televised speeches allowing him to make a fool of himself and lose the confidence of the Cuban people. To do this, uh, he proposed spraying down a television studio to the point that LSD was quite literally dripping from the walls. And say what you will, but that would have made Castro feel like the walls were literally dripping. (laughs) But that was deemed as too hard to execute in enemy territory. Yeah, I was going to say, and how were they going to execute this plan? (laughs) Just pay off some workers. That's step two. We only do with step step one and step three. <laughs> Not one to be put off easily. Uh, Gottlieb thought up an exploding conch shell, which seems um, xenophobic at best. <laughs> poisoned fountain pens, poisoned wetsuits, and poisoned cigars. Oh, the cigars is a good one. The cigars is the, is the closest that he gets to a good idea. Yeah. yeah. He was onto something, cro- and then he went a bit mm-hmm. ham. Why do we also poison his wetsuit? Does he wear a wetsuit? How often does he sport a wetsuit? (laughs) You know, he famously wore a wetsuit. Come on, guys. (laughs) Another crackpot idea dreamed up by Gottlieb was to lace Castro's boots with thallium, an element with the nickname the poisoner's poison because of its effectiveness, which would in turn cause the Cuban leader's beard to fall out. And we all know that Castro's beard was the source of his communist power. <laughs> Without it, he would surely start purchasing Gucci bags and investing in the stock market. <laughs> he starts One investing last, uh, in all of, um, what's his name? Logan Paul's failed um, NFT projects. <laughs> <laughs> Logan Paul could have as many failed NFT projects as he wants. Prime is just insane. Oh, never tried it. Not going to try it. No, I mean, I'm not going to do it. Never do LSD nor Prime Kids, but he is making a lot of money off it. <laughs> Two things I avoid, <laughs> Prime and LSD. <laughs> and one last note is that Gottlieb also personally took a vial of poison to the Congo in 1960 and proposed that Larry Devlin, the CIA section chief in the Congo, slip into President Lumumba's quarters and deposit it on his toothbrush. Thankfully for Devlin, a convenient coup de tat overthrew the president before the toothbrush terrorism could occur. And <laughs> thanks, Director Dolls. It's not all funny side notes about crackpot ideas for assassination of foreign leaders, however. Some of the worst experiments took place in Canada. The CIA were particularly interested in the work of Donald Ewan Cameron, one of Gottlieb's star recruits, a Scottishman who had developed the psychic driving concept and hoped to prove it by curing schizophrenia by wiping the mind. He... Um, wiping the mind. Mm. 
exactly. That doesn't seem like much of a cure. I mean, it's the new cure. More of a reboot. <laughs> he worked out of the Allen Memorial Institute of McGill University in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and took patients who were admitted for minor issues and placed them into induced comas. Oh, what a dick. Yeah. I mean, when I'm talking about minor issues here, I mean, we're talking about people who are coming in with, you know, a back problem, uh, yeah. people who've got thyroid conditions, things like this, things that in no way, shape or form need to be placed into a coma. But he would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he would try electrocution of the brain at many times the accepted level at the time for human tolerance. Jeez. He would place speakers next to the comatose patient, which repeat phrases such as, your mother hates you, on repeat <gasps> for days, weeks, or months in an attempt to try and alter a patient's behavior. Nobody he touched walked out the same person. And I listened to some quite shocking interviews um, from the children of those that were experimented on, which documented, in some cases, complete personality changes. Parents confused at the sight of their own children and even unfortunately shifting from a loving caregiver to violent authority figures. Some even forgot how to perform bodily functions and lost the ability to talk. Cameron moved... That's awful. mm, It's absolutely atrocious. And Cameron moved beyond creating methods to reprogram somebody and into creating a two-stage torture method, which is actually used today, disorientation followed by the construction of the torture being self-inflicted with the only alleviation being compliance with the requests of the captors. Lovely. Mm. Now, lots, if not most, of work in MKUltra hoped to reprogram a human mind. And in the best outcome, that the CIA could possibly think of would be to create a Manchurian candidate, i.e. to reprogram somebody to the point that they could be sent back to their home country and carry out the will of the CIA. Potentially political machinations, or even, as in the novel, the Manchurian candidate becoming an unwitting assassin. Yeah. There is no publicly available evidence to suggest that any of the experiments during MKUltra were a success and that anyone was able to be programmed. And I would just say that everyone was just enjoying the ride, but in truth, they were really enjoying the trip. Well, hey. Hey. I was like, you can love that one. <laughs> it's like the tone you delivered it in. I was like, this, is that serious? <laughs> no. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the MK Ultra side project known as Midnight Climax. Now, this wasn't um, the name of a rejected early Arnold Schwarzenegger movie um, that later would uh, be picked up by Steven Seagal, but it was <laughs> the Brill Cream Boys at the CIA setting up safe houses, initially in San Jose and then later in New York, recruiting several prostitutes training them in the art of information extraction, then sending them out on the streets, which, side note here, that now makes them technically pimps, bringing back (laughs) a John to the safe house. There, a CIA agent 
watched like a pervert recording from behind one-way glass as a prostitute secretly laced for Klein's drink with LSD and proceeded to get down to business. <laughs> Following on from sex, the prostitute would then ask the man questions, pillow talk, if you will, and try to extract more than just the usual things she would from him. This was to see if the potent mix of LSD and sex would somehow cause a man to blurt out national secrets. <laughs> it is on record that it was noticed that this did seem to work to a certain degree, as men were far more willing to talk in this environment. One of the issues that arose during the project was that CIA agents, in, including the man who headed up the project, spent most of their own time getting off their face on LSD and having sex with the prostitutes. <laughs> mm. Who would have thought it? <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like they have some like personal leaning towards this type of operation. <laughs> Now, these experiments continued on unexpecting victims all across North America for 20 years before MK Ultra was axed. Excuse me? 20 years? 20 years. They were doing this for 20 years? For 20 years. Even longer if you count the precursor projects, but MK Ultra, 20 years until it was officially discontinued. Holy shit, they really loved that project. Mm. During this time, it should not be understated, the CIA partook in human experimentation on unwilling victims and spying against the citizens of their own country that they represented for two whole decades. Until 1973, under different MK names, in search initially of a truth serum and latterly any kind of material that could be used to change a person or elephant's behaviours. <laughs> Mind control was never achieved that we know of, although we do have to address now how we know of MKUltra at all. Linz. Yes? Pop quiz, hotshot. I told, you, I told you a name earlier to remember. Who was that? Oh, God. Um... John, <laughs> you don't remember. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll forgive you. You did go through an LSD simulation after. Yes. <laughs> that name was Richard Helms. Yes, I knew or, that. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, Richard John. Yeah. <laughs> well, by 1966, we should call him Director Richard Helms, having risen to the very top of the CIA. Director Helms was the man who had assisted Gottlieb in proposing MKUltra initially. And Helms found himself literally at the helm of the CIA when the Watergate scandal hit. Okay, let's do this. One minute on the Watergate scandal, let's go! Somebody within President Nixon's team ordered a series of break-ins to steal sensitive and classified information one of which was at the Watergate Hotel. Unfortunately, they were discovered and arrested. Now, Nixon was unlikely to have ordered the break-ins. Secret recordings of wiretaps of the president show his displeasure at what happened, but he was guilty of covering it up. 
or trying to. He paid thousands of dollars in campaign money to keep the arrested burglars silent and ordered the CIA to block the FBI's investigation into the finances. This was an abuse of power not seen by a president prior, and it caused the number two man in the FBI, Mark Felt, to go rogue and adopt the persona Deep Throat, leaking information to the press, most famously to follow the money. Ultimately, 48 people were convicted, and the president narrowly avoided impeachment after being pardoned by his successor, President Gerald Ford. Nixon always claimed he was not a crook, and when a president does it, it means that it's not illegal. That sounds familiar. Something that a certain president may be using in an upcoming testimony. (laughs) Right, anyway, sorry. After that brief detour there, back to our story, Helms was keen to avoid any further allegations against the CIA, and he was well aware that Gottlieb had been running wild with MKUltra over the years. Although, for plausible deniability, he had not directly checked on Gottlieb's work. Thus, in 1973, director Richard Helms ordered that all files on MKUltra be destroyed. The following year, In 1974, the New York Times broke the story that the CIA had been experimenting on U.S. citizens, and this set forth a chain of events that led to the formation of a church committee, headed by Frank Church, that began to uncover the activities of the CIA. Early on, Gottlieb was actually interviewed by the committee, but claimed to have not had much knowledge about mind control projects. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Liar, liar, pants on fire. The recommendations of this committee led to the explicit laws being brought in regarding experimentation on US citizens. However, in 1977, during a Freedom of Information request, 20,000 pages of materials on MKUltra were discovered because they had been incorrectly stored in the wrong building. And therefore... clerical error. Yes, because of his clerical error, escaped the great purge of Richard Helms. The world was then exposed to much of the information that we've had discussed today. But you have to think, Linz, if all of this was contained in those 20,000 pages, what the hell was in the countless rooms of pages that were destroyed? Exactly. Oh my gosh. So, what was the aftermath of all of this then? Well, firstly, the major players. Gottlieb retired in 1973, same year that MKUltra was retired, and declared that he had failed in his work, which I guess means he'd run out of LSD. <laughs> he and his How wife, do you succeed? <laughs> <laughs> he and his wife went travelling in Australia, India, and Africa, and even ran a leper hospital for a small while in India. Upon their return, they moved from Virginia to Santa Cruz, California, to be closer, not to the prostitutes, but to their grandchildren <laughs> before choosing to move back to spend their final years on the farm in Virginia where they continued to raise animals. Gottlieb even went back to school and got a master's in speech therapy, which was really things coming full circle since he'd been a stutterer himself since childhood. Mm. He died at the age of 80 in 1999 on March the 7th just 24 days before the US release of The Matrix. 
Now, that would have blown his mind. <laughs> yeah. Forget the LSD. Oh, Keanu, what will you do next? <laughs> Richard Helms, director of the CIA, was relieved of his role by President Nixon immediately after re-election and a few months before Nixon was ousted as president. Helms negotiated that he would be sent to Iran as U.S. ambassador there, and he continued in that post for three years before returning to the U.S., starting a consultancy firm and becoming a frequent media personality until his death in 2002, at the age of 89, a whole year before The Matrix Reloaded came out. Chris. To be fair, he didn't need to see that one. Nobody did. No. So now for something completely different. With all these claims, do we actually know anybody who was involved and experimented upon? Well, yes, we do. Some of the non-elephant victims include Ken Kelsey, author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who took part in a university program alongside Robert Hunter of The Grateful Dead. Neither knew. Somehow that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense here. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not sure actually if it's amazing how many famous people were involved in this or if it just shows how far-reaching this project actually was over the 20-year period. But neither of the two men knew what was taking place was part of the MKUltra program. They thought they were just taking part in some research. Gangster Whitey Bulger was also experimented on and later blamed what, what happened to him uh, in his... Or later blamed the experiments for the path that he took in life and even was so full of anger, considered assassinating the doctor who administered the doses of LSD to him. Harold Blauer was a pro tennis player who was diagnosed with a type of schizophrenia and was dead a month later after having drugs injected into his system with the goal of maybe curing him? Seeing what happens? You killed him, guys. That's what happened. Oh. There's also alleged victims such as the Unabomber, Ted Skazinski. Uh, now, he was certainly experimented upon, but the only question is, is if it was actually officially part of the MKUltra project or not. It likely predated MKUltra, but certainly a man who went on to terrorise the USA by sending 16 bombs in the post. It's a notable feature in what happened to him. Wow, I didn't know any of this. Mm. And finally, Jim Jones. Famous for running the commune in Jonestown Massacre, may have been experimented on. Big may here. Uh, Possibly his underling, Larry Layton, who was secretly a CIA agent, may have laced things with LSD and introduced drugs into the mix. Certainly, many of the drugs featured in the Jonestown case were used in the MK Ultra project. That's another story for another time. I do have to say that that is one of the most out there accusations about yes, MK Ultra. Yes, true. That would be wild. Yeah, there's, there's an author out there making that that claim, um, and who knows? It, it might be true, but at the same time, MK Ultra has the potential to become this boogeyman that hangs over everything. And you say, oh well, the Unabomber was experimented on, and the Jonestown massacre that was that was because of it, and and, and Barney the dinosaur that was it as well. It <laughs> yeah, doesn't... I suppose some people do try and like write books about like big cases, and yeah. you know, put a spin on it, and conspiracy theories start to come out. So, yeah. so I think that would a pinch of salt until you read the book. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Take it with a pinch of LSD until you know if it's <laughs> actually 
uh, the case or not. It's unlikely we'll ever know, but it's a very interesting theory. So, Linz, all of that being said, that is our story about MK Ultra. As I promised, this is a real documented conspiracy theory. This was the CIA experimenting on unwilling US citizens with very little repercussions in the end. Uh, the actual repercussions, the, a couple of apologies, a couple of families got some payouts, but many are still pursuing some kind of um, reparations from the US government or the Canadian government, which was also implicit in what was happening. Jeez. Yeah, it, it's really interesting to hear about, because I didn't know a lot of these details. So it's interesting to hear about a conspiracy theory that actually wasn't a theory. It, mm. it was, it happened. And uh, I'm not surprised because there seemed to be, like we, we, we've done an episode on the LSD dolphins. Go back and listen to that. It's oh, quite similar. Go back but and with, listen to that one. It's, it's yeah. A great I mean, story. yeah, it gets um, weirdly raunchy. Let's <laughs> just say that. But, um, <laughs> it does remind me of that, although devoid of all humor. Mm. Um, the, the MK Ultra stuff is a lot darker, and I can see, I can see it happening. Like obviously, it did happen, but I can see it happening because there's other examples of similar things, and the, you know, it wasn't their first rodeo with the dolphins, so obviously they'd they'd um, tried it out somewhere down the line. There was a precursor to it but yeah I think it's just the truth serum thing I think okay uh, it's not great how they did it but like it makes a little bit of sense that a truth serum would be really useful but to the military not to us <laughs> yeah and we do have to note that the the CIA was basically responding to what it thought the Russians were doing so they were convinced yeah. that the Russians had developed some mind control techniques which mm -hmm. would break a soldier's will. Um, yeah, but then you get to, like, you know, playing your mother hates you yeah. for five 5,000 years straight and yeah. then going, oh, look what happened. It's like, yeah, the outcome was quite obvious. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then just like unwilling participants just being like subjected to these yeah. kind of tortures. And Me then just the tomfoolery of the CIA office, just the workers um, dumping LSD in each other's coffee. Yes. <laughs> it just it just goes ridiculous, evil, ridiculous, evil, <laughs> kind of in that order. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if maybe, you know, these, these soldiers who are coming back, I mean, maybe these were sort of the first recorded cases of PTSD from war, potentially, and that they changed people so dramatically that the only way that the military could reason what was happening to them was that they'd had their minds broken as opposed to having them broken in a very different way by experiencing the horrors of war. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say they didn't really know that much about mental health back then mm -hmm. um they thought they could cure schizophrenia by wiping someone's mm -hmm. mind quote unquote <laughs> so it's like a little bit of electricity um, that'll sort them out yeah just a bit of a shock here and there but um yeah 
I guess they really didn't know much about anything back then. So the, something probably came out of it that was semi-useful, but in no way um, necessary or right or morally right in any way. It's just horrible. I, I can see, like, the truth serum is really interesting. It's It's got, like, a kind of, like, a an application to it. Mm-hmm. Like, war-wise, but... As for everything else, it's just like, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> I mean, the the lengths, you know, I feel like there's easier, easier projects to kind of take on. Mm-hmm. Like, think... oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody from this country. We'll, we'll wipe them. We'll reprogram them. We'll send them back. It's like, is there not another way? <laughs> really? They must have some. Does a man just really love a LSD? Accent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we have to look at this, though, through a lens of the 1950s, not necessarily now. I mean, we all, you know, me said at the beginning, you know, cue the hippie music. So everyone's got an idea about what LSD does, whether you've done it or not. Everyone's got an idea about what the effects will be. We've all seen the, you know, Jimi Hendrix music starts playing and suddenly you start wearing terrible clothes. That's, (laughs) That's what happens, right? Do you but, have a problem with purple flares, Chris? <laughs> no. Women worn by prints, but prints only. The <laughs> the thing that we have to think about, though, is, you know, as we said at the beginning, when it was first discovered in the late 1930s, people thought that this could be a miracle cure for alcoholism. So... Yeah, I mean... It, it didn't yet quite have that reputation. It would, starting in the 1960s onwards, but mm-hmm. LSD was not commercially available. So when we say that, uh, you know, Gottlieb tried to order the entire supply of LSD in the world, actually it wouldn't have been quite that much. You could probably fit it in a warehouse. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you're right. Like we kind of have a perception of what it is now, but they didn't. They were probably like, oh, this is the this is going to be amazing. We're going to get all the secrets. Can you... Yeah. Shoot that elephant with a dart first, though, just to check. It, it, it's it's essentially like, oh, we found this, we found this new drug. Let's just try and apply it everywhere we can and see what happens. It's like what you get basically when you've got a bunch of immature boys who have no checks and balances. <laughs> yeah. Should we? Should we give the elephant LSD? I wonder what else they were doing, though, because I feel like they weren't keeping track of the LSD, and I'm sure some of it went missing. And I wonder... I'm sure quite a lot, lot some... of it went missing in the mouths of the agents. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I wonder if it was, at, like, if any agents ever just took it away to kind of use against, yeah. you know, people, like, neighbours they didn't like. Oh, I mean, I'm sure that that happened. And then they could probably have passed it off as experimentation that they were doing because... There were no checks or balances on this whatsoever. It was apply this LSD in as many real world scenarios and see how you can alter people's behavior. So the more yeah, data you they get, definitely the did. You know, but I mean, the fact that the, the um, CIA had to send around an internal memo to say, can just, 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 <laughs> just for one day, guys, one day, okay? We, we, got, we just want to have a Christmas party. Santa Claus is coming. Don't need LSD. <laughs> You know, I mean, most turtle memos that come round in offices are 
you know, about incredibly mundane things like, will people please stop taking spoons out of a break area? Other people need to use them. It's quite unusual that there's one about, guys, can you just stop drugging each other for one day? <laughs> oh, MK Ultra. Who mm. thought it could be so funny? Well, the, <laughs> the thing that might not be funny, though, about it is that this is a secret government project that we know of, it's capable mm-hmm. of. So what else was happening? And MKUltra may have gone out of a window, but we know that one of the main reasons why it was abandoned was because the other potentially more effective drugs were discovered. So although nothing has been uncovered, MKUltra may have just done what it did previously and morph into something else. Mm. Are you worried? The room is starting to spin. Well, there we have it, Lynn. So any closing thoughts on MK Ultra? No, other than when we do cases like this, I always feel a bit paranoid. <laughs> like, for the next few days, I'm like questioning everything. I don't know. It's not that I'm susceptible to conspiracy theories, but it does make you think a lot. Like you do read about these things sometimes. It's sort of the holy grail and could could be used as you know, an argument beater, if you will, when people say, you know, well, do any of these things actually happen? Well, have we got any proof of this? We got any proof of that? And I mean, MK Ultra is one that you can point to and go, that actually happened. It's documented. Yeah, and, and people do. Yeah, people do use that as an example. What's the other one? The one where they infected loads of people with like syphilis? Uh, I know the one you're talking about, but I don't know what. <laughs> Yeah, I forget what it's called, but yeah, there's another one. Like, you know, it's horrific. You know, there's, there's, there's a few ones you can point to, sort of the mm-hmm. conspiracies that turned out to be true. Um, yep. And there's, there's some quite horrific things out there. MK Ultra is relatively light compared to some of them, but we'll maybe go into those another day. But yeah, they're quite dark. Yeah. Um, I think we should go into them maybe as like a bonus episode or something on the Patreon. Yeah. Who knows? We'll do but, that. Um, yeah, we'll thanks, one. Chris, for scaring me. <laughs> That's what I'm here to do. You're very welcome. <laughs> Every now and then you come up you come up with one of these cases and I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> it's like me when I do like a true crime one just randomly. And it's like, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but it's a really good suggestion. I mean, I don't think we would have... Um, would have covered this if Wesley requested it, right? Right, yeah. Wesley, one of our patrons, uh, requested it. Yeah, well, I hope I hope you specifically I hope you're happy. It, Wesley. <laughs> Look what you've done to us now. It was really interesting. It, it is really interesting. I do want to read about some of the other cases, like the one I just mentioned. Mm. But um, yes, food for thought. And now I'm a bit paranoid when I drink coffee. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you all very much for joining us today. Next time we'll be back, it'll be one of Lindsay's cases. I'm very excited to see what uh, she will be putting forth, what case will come across our desk down here in the Dystopian Simulation radio files. Uh, But until then... Trying to think of something funny to say. (laughs) Until then. (laughs) Until then... Double drop with a friend?
Um, <laughs> until then, enjoy the trip. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Dolls would have the last laugh, however, as he would see JFAK. JFAK? Dolls. Dolls would have the last laugh, however, as he would see JFAK. Oh, fuck, I did it again. <laughs>